Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In this podcast, chat about the defeat to Plymouth, look ahead to Stoke and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast and this is our Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. The Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And another home defeat uh, for Borough, uh, seeing us be in mid-table, firmly in mid-table as well, um, with 44 points uh, so far this season. Guys, one key takeout, as always. You both look absolutely delighted to be uh, this afternoon. So, yeah, let's see your takeouts. Dana, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, there's a there's a song called Blue by one of my favourite artists, Lolo Zouai. And the first line of that is, days like this make me feel like shit. And that game yesterday made me feel like shit. I'm so bored of witnessing the same rinse and repeat situations. I'm so bored of seeing us concede really poor, sloppy, avoidable goals. I'm so sick of seeing us really struggle to break a team down when they come to the Riverside. And above all, I am so sick of teams going to that away corner after the game, all celebratory, because they should be miserable and yet they're not. And we're we're just so poor and we're so gifting towards teams the Riverside this season. It is not a good advert for next season, given the, the ticket price increase fiasco this week. It's just not been a very good week. And yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm bored. I'm sick. I'm tired. I just, I'm looking forward to the summer where we can have another rebuild inevitably. And yeah, I'm just kind of done with this season. I, I've, I've got to be honest. It's just, it's taken its toll on me, guys. It has. Is it always a rebuild if you're constantly doing it? So that's kind of where I'm at. Maybe something for people who are sitting in the cars now driving to work or whatever they may be, look up in the park with the dog, who knows? But they're like, hmm, no, it is a rebuild. Um, Tom, <laughs> anyway, what, what's your one key takeout? You know what? I'm going to take inspiration from what Dana's just done and also sum it up in a song. Um, classic <laughs> from Green Day. I'm going to say, wake me up when the season ends because. <laughs> Also, Fantastic. like Dana, I am 
completely bored of going to the Riverside and seeing shite performances. It's players making basic mistakes week in, week out. Um, just for any Plymouth fans watching better team yesterday, in general, I like Plymouth as a club and I like the way he's playing and stuff like that. I feel like I have to give a little bit of credit because we've had teams in the past this season who just have a little bit of a whinge when you talk about your own team and don't give them enough credit. Not naming any names, but it was Ipswich. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to be, be ranty on this podcast and I, it should have been a couple of weeks ago after the Bristol game you know before I got food poisoning and nearly died but it was it's just the same every every home game at the moment I'm just really sick of, of, of seeing it like I say basic mistakes that people you know, we, we can go to Leicester and get a result and then seven days later look like a team who've never played together and don't know how to pass a ball five yards to each other. Our off-the-ball off movement's shocking at, at home at times and I just I really don't understand what's going on this season for, for a load of players. Accidentally muted myself there. A, a load <laughs> of players that, that we have to just suddenly start making basic mistakes and playing below their level because we know they are better than this and they're just not performing like it. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to follow suit with all the the songs. I feel like uh, (laughs) I got hated. I love it by uh, the game of 50 Cent, I think, because um, at one point I absolutely love watching us play and I think it's great. And when I compare it to like promotion teams, I love it. And I'm just like, yeah, this team's great. And the other flip side, within the space of a week, I can absolutely hate them, and I think we're worse than Strachan's Boris. So it's just, <laughs> and I, I just don't get it. I just, I just don't get how you can be so good one week and so shit the next. But there's cons- inconsistencies that is pretty much the championship in, in itself. But it's just so frustrating because you do get the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. But it's just so bipolar. It's not like a, a ball draw. It's we're either really good or just really shit. And maybe like a secondary point off that is probably like. Not to single out single players, but like Dan Balassa is like the epitome of Borough because of like if we play, if he has a hardcore one out of ten, we have a hardcore one out of ten, and it, I feel like he is a really important part in how we're a player. But when he's not on it, we are just so far off the pace. But we'll we'll chat about the the defeat to Plymouth then, because uh, Sorinola and Hardy gave uh, Plymouth the the second win on the road this season. Very typical Borough, really. Uh, they hadn't won uh, at all until they beat Swansea, and then you know the, the beat us as well. So, guys, get your overall assessments uh, of the game. Then I'll come to you first, and then Tom, I'll, I'll pass you the mic and, and let you say what you really think. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be completely unfiltered here. So, if anyone is listening to this in the car with their kids, please just listen to it another time. <laughs> I thought yesterday we were fucking dreadful. Really, really, really bad. The setup was such a mess. Like up front, you've got McGree as like a shadow striker. Like, why? Force is playing out on the right. Why is he not through the middle? We keep saying it on this podcast. Like, needs must put a striker through the middle. I, I don't get it. Silvera playing on the left, really just don't like him there. He cuts inside all the time, and every single time his shot gets blocked. And then that double pivot of Barlaster and O'Brien for the second home game running, did not work. I do not want to see that. It just doesn't work in in that 4-2-3-1. I know Carrick said after the game it was more of a 3-4-3, or three at the back, sorry. 
in possession in, in the build-out, but I just don't want to see it because what happens is O'Brien, given the type of player that he is, he's a ball carrier. He wants to get with the pitch and he will do that. And it leaves Barlasser exposed. And in a two anyway, when you've got a player that doesn't maybe get as forward as uh, get as forward as, as much as Lewis O'Brien, he is still exposed. So he doesn't really play to the strengths of Barlasser in particular. We just lacked shape in possession. We looked an absolute mess out of possession. We were really easy to get at. And ironically, what Plymouth were very good at doing in that game, Borough were awful at, which was cutting inside and getting a shot off. We are just far too weak against the ball and, and really passive. We allow ourselves to, to concede opportunities. And as soon as they went 1-0 up, I knew that it was, it was game over. And then 2-0 up, funny enough, the highlight of the game actually rather self-deprecating for Borough, but my dad actually said, oh, you're only playing Plymouth. And about 15 seconds later, they scored. So as soon as the ball hit the back of the net, I'm sorry, I had to laugh. I mean, he even referenced Maltkurst. So if anyone wants a Maltkurst t-shirt, link in bio for that. But yeah, we probably could have conceded more from there. There was not a single shot on target. Despite a lot of possessions, 74%, it was just really flat, boring. We've now lost five of our last seven home games. We haven't won at the Riverside since the 23rd of December against West Brom. And that was also the last time that we kept a clean sheet in the league. It was markedly one of the worst performances of the season, I think. And I've kind of stung myself before likening the whole game to the Sheffield Wednesday game. But actually, the game yesterday was probably more similar to that performance at Hillsborough. It was probably the home version of that game. It was just terrible. Tom, uh, how, how would you follow that? Uh, to be honest, I'm assuming you're going to be on the, on the same lines. Pretty much. I mean, I've tried to put the game out of my mind. So we were talking just before we uh, we started, me and Dana, I just said I woke up and forgot we even played yesterday. And it's, it's just a recurring theme at the moment of coming away from the Riverside, disappointed, and then just trying to forget about it. Yesterday, we were absolutely horrendous. I have found myself in recent weeks kind of questioning more and more the decisions being made by Carrick and, and the coaching staff because I, mm-hmm. I feel like it gets to the point with with managers where when they're making decisions that the fans can see are so obviously wrong, it's like something's really, really going wrong and really going downhill from here. That front four and McGree playing up front, it's literally the simplest thing on the pitch to sort out. You play McGree on the left, Azaz in the middle, Silvera on the right, and Force up front. It is literally that simple. Just put them in the right places. There was a guy on BBC T's after the game who was saying, I just want to see round pegs and round holes. That is exactly the way you sum it up. Force is a striker. I know it worked last uh, last season playing in right wing when we had um, Akpom and Archer. We don't anymore. Play him up front in his natural position. Play McGree back where you know he was most effective. You know, even a change of system back to what was working last season with Danny. You said on BBC TV yesterday, have McGree making nuisance of himself on the left hand side, playing more of a centre attacking mid rather than a winger. Let Engel overlap and get the crosses in. On that point, Engel should always be playing based on yesterday. If Engel has one leg, Luke Thomas should not be playing ahead of him. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the worst performance from a Borough left-back I have seen. Honestly, it was like watching Lee Dong-gook reincarnate at left-back. You know, there, there was a point in, in the first half where Luke Thomas just tripped over the ball and got a free. 
<laughs> so incredibly fortunate because he's running around here like Bambi on ice and he somehow just managed to get a free kick and avoid giving the ball away in a dangerous area. That was incredible, like, on a, that. On a, on a similar note, I mean, Luke Thomas next week, he, yeah, he should be playing left-back, but it should be left-back at home while the rest of the team got a stroke. Tom Glover as well, unless Dieng has two broken hands, should not be starting in goal. <laughs> Why Dieng's been on the bench for for so long? He's he's clearly fit enough to be around the match day squad. He's clearly fit enough to to warm up. But why are we sticking with Tom Glover? Because he makes simple mistakes like he did yesterday for the first goal and just palming it back out to you know unopposed opposition players. He's made a few good saves, but he just really doesn't fill me with confidence playing out from the back. And I don't think he fills the centre-backs with confidence either because there were points yesterday where him, Van den Berg and McNair were all arguing between themselves. I was like, you didn't get that with Dien. Like, just put him back in. It's it, it's a simple thing to to change, but I feel like the, the confidence the defence will get from just having Dien back there is going to benefit us so much. I will. I would be interested. Was it Glover in goal for the West Brom game? the last time we got a clean sheet. I think it mm-hmm. might have been, but I, f- I feel like there's a definite trend of our defensive frailties in the last couple of months and Dieng being out of the team. I just think it's such a, a simple thing. Just put him back in goal. If he's fit enough to be on the bench and he's fit enough to warm up and train and stuff, put him back in. I know it's a big decision to, to take out a goalkeeper, but realistically, Tom Glover was only our number two goalkeeper this season anyway. Yeah, um, I agree with that, Tom, in terms of the DN and also Angle as well. Like, it, it definitely felt like yesterday. I was like, I'll give, I'll give Thomas Benefit that one when he signed. It was like, I need to watch him in, my, in the system. And I said on our, uh, I know a lot, I'm sure. I just need to see him, what he's, how he's going to play because I wasn't like not overly convinced. It was just, I, I just need to see him like in person because I, I couldn't like look at it. The, the numbers weren't beat, weren't particularly great. But then I was like, well, it's too relegated side, so is that going to really hinder him? And then, like, I was watching him again yesterday, and I was like, oh, this is a really bad performance, <laughs> really. But I was sat there, just like, what does Engel have to do? But come on. And people have proper stinkers, and, and I think collectively as a group, they everyone had a stinker yesterday. I thought we were absolutely awful as well um, from start to finish. And it's the same old, same old. I feel like you've got an Achilles heel with Carrick's uh, system, really. And it's just like that... It's a box midfield. It absolutely rinses uh, us as a, as a team. And when I see teams play, I'm just like, well, we won't break the lines or anything because we try to play to play through a team where a box midfield, you need to rely more on playing wide. You need to get people on, on the transition and also surrender some of the players. Well, like yesterday is a prime example when teams play in a certain way. I would have happily played, helped, happily seen us play in the same system as we did against Leicester. Because when teams come in as a box midfield like that, you need to hit them on the transition and get them on the counter-attack. And I feel like we need to sometimes give up the ball sometimes. Because possession play is all well and good. But if you can't break the lines, you need to take a step back and kind of say, well, actually, how can we start to make more of an impact on the game? But I thought we were really, really bad uh, yesterday from, from start to finish. And we need to do more and we need to be adaptable and we need to potentially change things around for the next few games just to start, just to stop the rot and get us some, get some more points on the board. And, you know, it's not exactly the, the season's done and dusted, but you may as well not, probably be very, 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 very low chance of getting promoted or getting in the playoff places, sorry, 
very, very low chance. So you may as well test and try new methods now because you're not going to go down. I don't think, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's still like nine <laughs> points, but you're not going to get relegated. But try the three and try and be a bit more of a transitional team for the next few games because that's where probably most of our strengths lie. If you've got Isaiah Jones playing, you've got Pace, it's still there as a transitional player. Agree finds the space really well. Like last, very, very good at getting them behind. So is Marcus Force. So play at that side of strength because when we're trying to play it around from the back two, which is too slow, teams get back into shape. Team will play with a mid block. We'll block the central areas. We can't get through. And then it's just job done. So if you want to give me the job, lads, just give me the job. <laughs> but in terms of the uh, Bora again, Tom, like, again and again, we're giving ourselves a mountain to climb at home. Are you really concerned with that trend? Because time and time again, Bora going behind, the game's pretty much done. They've got so much to do. And there was times last year where we could bail ourselves out of it because we were, we were taking the chances that we created. Now we're the second highest uh, in terms of big chances missed in the division. So we don't really have that capability anymore. So you're a bit concerned of how Borough have seen quite a lot of home now. I think it has to be a concern. And I think it's the key difference between last season and this one. Last season, we could go 1-0 down at home. And I would be sat there and think, this is fine. Like Not, not as in the... The, the meme of the dog where everything's on fire behind him and be like, oh, this is fine. No, this is fine as in we can come back from this. We've done it so often last season. We go 1-0 down this season and I'm just thinking that's it. Like we, we don't have, have it in us at the moment to uh, to come back and, and win anymore. I'm pretty sure we did in the earlier part of the season, but now it's, it's getting to the point where it happens in in our home games and I'm just kind of like, I've got no faith that that we're going to come back from this. And I think the, the other key thing is that especially yesterday, although I did notice, notice against Bristol as well, Riverside's generally becoming a little bit toxic when we go, go a goal down and people start getting on the players' backs a lot more. I did note in the first half yesterday, and again, I don't know if this is just because of the defence and, and Glover not really linking that well and not having the confidence in, in each other. But there was a real kind of abandonment of our principles of playing out of the back because it would be passed around the back to the point where we're pressed that high up that Glover just hoofs it up the pitch and, and, and gets rid of it. But we're picking the wrong passes. And while all that is happening, the crowd is just getting on everyone's back. And you know what? I, I can't blame the, the people in the crowd for it because... In recent games at home, we've been absolutely terrible. And, you know, people want to come to the Riverside and, and know that we are hard to beat at home. We, we want it to, to be that sort of fortress that it was last season or, you know, wasn't in the promotion season and stuff. But when you're coming to the Riverside and you're seeing us get beat off Plymouth, Bristol, Hull, I'm, I'm missing others here, but... You're coming and seeing that, and you're seeing poor displays. It's no wonder it's it's getting to that point where the crowd are just getting on the players' backs, and like like I say, they, they seem pressured to the point where they're forgetting our, our philosophy, and and they're just trying to kind of get rid or someone will have a different idea to to the rest of the team, and they'll give the ball away. Yeah, and look, confidence plays a massive part part in football. To be honest, like it, it's it's huge. And if you if you don't feel confident or wanting the ball all the time, it can be really difficult to play out. Like that concept for me of if you can try and get three or four passes to break the lines, and then if you can't, just switch the play. 
is really, really valuable for me. And we just don't do it. And I feel like sometimes, and it happened a lot of times yesterday, where we'll get the ball out wide and then we'll play it central and then we'll play it back to the box that someone was in. And then instead of working the ball out and then switching it and getting somewhere, we were always trying to work ourselves in a really small place of, of, of the pitch. And by that time, when you do that, you've got three or four players from the opposition team to pretty much block that area. And then you're starting all over again, you're losing the ball. You don't need to receive the ball and run back to... So the example was, uh, a fine example of it, was Silvera got the ball on the, on the left-hand side. He played it to Balassa and then Balassa ran towards Silvera and then played it back to him. And then he played it to Thomas. And then we played it back to Balassa in the same position. And I was like, what are you doing? Just switch the bloody player and get, get the ball away because that box midfield is there to be like done. But frustrating, man. It's so frustrating. But I think with that as well, I think sometimes you've got to give up a little bit. I think when you said about philosophy, Tom, as well, you've got to give up a little bit sometimes just to give yourself a bit more balance um, and also to kind of make yourself a bit harder to beat. Since we're missing so many chances now, it kind of comes to a point where you kind of go, right, we need to give us something a little bit away, become a bit more defensively sound, and then hopefully just kind of go, right, if we get two or three chances, we just need to put them away. Instead of creating volume, try and create better quality. And hopefully if we can do that, then we'll start to, to you know, we'll keep the goals. We'll still be a creative team. We'll still be, a, on paper, fairly decent side. And we do, we do look at our times, but I would say in recent weeks, we've been really, really poor. And sometimes it's just, you have to know when and when to kind of park something and, and try something different. But then the, it was the first time in a long time, really, where we've seen a, a Borough side not have a, a shot on target. So what, what what do you think Plymouth did so well yesterday defensively to kind of limit Borough to, to get some chances? Well, Ian Foster said it after the game that they were very disciplined tactically and they had that really set flat back five where the wing-backs had gone deeper and blocked off that space and then they had four in midfield as well and it basically shut Borough off it's like oh Borough have possession absolutely fine there's no threat there whatsoever and then Borough themselves basically influenced the the well probably did influence Plymouth's ability to defend in that second half because as you said there so predictable in how we move the ball and we're not getting ourselves into good enough opportunities. And what we did really well under Wilder, and I, and I thought of this yesterday and also while you were mentioning about Borough's play then, Johnny, we were so good at shifting the play from one side to another. That's why you saw us so good on that right-hand side because we would culminate possession on the left and then we would spring it over to the right mm. and it would be done quite quickly as well. And we just don't have that. I'm getting so frustrated with our wide play. So incredibly, it's actually infuriating because I'll see it in the second half that Ailing will be getting forward, but why is it Ailing getting forward? Because he doesn't have the legs to get back. Mm. And then when we do get caught on the, the turnover, as we inevitably do, because we're poor in possession as well in moments, then you've got someone that Leeds fans told us doesn't, you know, has no legs and it well, not doesn't have no legs. <laughs> he doesn't have it in his legs anymore trying to recover those yards and it's just like it's so frustrating so I mean fair play to Plymouth I think they were really well drilled but that's all they have to be because Borough play into an opposition team's hands they don't make it difficult they don't knock on the door and I was so bored yesterday and I don't 
think that I've been bored that often watching Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough. It was scintillating last season, it was. And even though it hasn't been scintillating this season, it hasn't usually been boring, but I was thoroughly bored yesterday. I just sat there in a relaxed state because I knew that I didn't have to get up anytime soon. We weren't fashioning opportunities. We weren't proper like going for it, creating good opportunities in good spaces to then, I don't know, play across, have a shot, do something. We were just, everything was so condensed. We're all so bunched in the same areas, like you mentioned, Johnny. There's no out ball. There's no quickness. It was so slow and so predictable. So, yeah, Plymouth had that shape. They were very organised, but that's all they needed to be. And in the end, I'm not surprised that we didn't have a shot on target because it just, that was our performance. And yeah, it's just annoying. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, and look, I would we'll probably come up to it in a second, but I would, I would like us to try maybe shift to, to a back three, but I'll come with it in a moment because you were saying there, Dan, around that they had to just be disciplined and didn't really have to have too much influence of the game and just wait for the moment for, for Bora to, to make the mistake. And there's a couple of mistakes. And we'll come we'll break down the goals because we haven't done this in a while. And also I think it'd be really good to kind of see that um how that really played out. So that that first goal, Bora goal behind early doors, and it's all from their own doing, really, right? It is. <laughs> Absolutely. We have the ball just in front of the halfway line to the right of the centre circle. Now, Barlasa plays a square ball to O'Brien. The pass, that pass itself is fine. I know that Dan Barlasa is Borough's biggest boo boy right now, but that pass is absolutely fine. 
The problems start because O'Brien doesn't set himself for the ball. He checks his shoulder, he loses where the ball actually is, and he stretches in vain to receive it. Randall picks it up. Plymouth counter really quickly. They create an overload on their left-hand side, which leaves our left-hand side extremely exposed. So fair play, Plymouth. They accrue a lot of players on that left-hand side. And then Borough's left-hand side, incredibly exposed. Matthew Sorinola, Plymouth's right wing-back, has so much space. And play advances. Giaoui has it on the left-hand corner of the box. And what opens up is this corridor of space for him to shift the ball onto his right foot and shoot, which he does. I just wonder, in that situation, could one of our midfield players, be it O'Brien or Barlasa, have continued their run because they both kind of put the brakes on to block off that avenue? That way, he either gets crowded out or the shot gets blocked or he recycles possession to Morgan Whitaker and Bora have the chance to get back into shape because it's all very messy. Obviously, we get caught on the counter-attack. All whilst this is happening, Sorinola still has acres of space to be in a position to benefit from, I don't know, a lofted ball to the back post or, as we saw it, a rebound. Now, I watched Finazaz throughout this clip and he does check to have a look to his right once, but then he continues to accelerate forwards and it, it looks like he's focused on... Randall in the centre who is already being dealt with by Luke Thomas so another question could Azaz have spotted that threat and switched to track Sorinola because in the end once the parry is made by Glover and you can maybe question him in that instance he still has space and has a completely free shot on goal nobody is close enough to challenge or block or at least make things difficult it's just a really poor, avoidable goal. And there's been so many this season. Yeah, and the, the goal as well, Thomas, when I bring you in on, on the on the Glover save, I think you can do better there. Wait, wait to think, because I'm, I'm thinking more Palm out, try and play a bit further wide, but it looks like he plays a straight in win, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I haven't watched it back because I don't watch highlights when Borough have lost. It just makes me annoyed. <laughs> In real time, it looked like soft, uh, such a soft shot. And I, I think most of the people around me were questioning why he couldn't have just held it. If you can't hold it, at least don't parry it back out in that, into that area. You'd think, I, I couldn't say on that screenshot, but you'd think, although Glover's focused on the ball, he'll have at least known from his peripheral vision that there was a player there. If you push it back out in front of you, then there are more Borough players there than the Plymouth player in, in the middle. I think it would still be Randall at that point. There's a, probably a better chance there that we can clear it, but parrying it back out wide like that, it, it just gives them such a an easy chance. But like I said, in real time, I just thought it was a very soft shot and he could have held that. I, like, I found myself questioning, you know, could Dieng have, have, have held that or, or at least done better with it? And I would probably think so. Yeah, and look, I think he could have done better um, as well. But I think we, if, it's what it's, it's we're one 0 down. We talk about the second goal as well. We talk about like how Borough give a, a team a, a really good opportunity, and they're they're on downfall. But this is a really good play from from Plymouth to be honest. But also, it does highlight Borough, you know, not being effective defensively. And when, there's always a really good saying that the biggest error comes three or four passes before a goal has happened. 
the Plymouth midfield Gabby, he drops into a nice little pocket of space where Randall plays a nice little combination play with Sorinola. And Rav Vandenberg, he has a decision to make. He either follows his man in centrally and tries to block a, a, the playoff game a turn, or he drops back in centre-half. He decides to go back. So if he is going back, you need Balassa to come in to essentially just kind of go, right, we need to block this player off. We just get a little bit tighter. Don't let him turn you and just try and force the ball out wide to Whitaker. But we don't. We all drop back instead and we give him a lot of space uh, to turn over the shoulder, play the ball through to Hardy. And Hardy does really, really well. Drops it on his right foot and then plays in the bottom corner. But that goal as well, it's, it's really easy if you look at it from, it's like a five-second clip of just... Um, how this goal is really happened and to give a midfielder the absolute time just to check his shoulder turn turn even the turned inwards as well instead of like turn out and also just seeing his man and playing it through and for me that is really poor defensively I think you've got to be so much better in those moments and if that combination plays there it's so easy to play through but then also like as well you've got to be have some sort of communication there if Rab's going to drop back then Balas has to come in and it doesn't, and the turn, it's so easy, it's so preventable. But that, for me, was the biggest reason why Borough conceded that goal. It wasn't the shot from Hardy, it wasn't the, the goal, because the really good finish in the bottom corner. But for me, that is where the biggest fault lies in terms of that goal. But in terms of like solutions and stuff, like and how we can potentially improve for the remainder of the season, Danny, would you be like opting for a back three now would you or would you like Borough to still stay with that four two three one? It is a three two five in some aspects or a four two four when we do tend to play in possession. So it's not I'm saying like what I'm trying to say is formations aren't really static anymore. They're very fluid. Mm. But yeah. would you like to see Borough maybe start more in a in a back three and play with maybe a back three or a five than what they're currently doing now? Yeah, to be honest, I would like to see it. But more than that, I would like to see Borough switch up their approach a little bit because I think we've got the players to hurt teams on the transition. It is absolutely no surprise that we did that against Leicester. And people will say, oh, well, that's Leicester. And obviously they are a a quality team. But actually a lot of teams in the championship are playing possession-based football. There has been a bit of a discussion around how it's becoming quite boring in a way that there's not a whole load of variety in the championship anymore Uh, managers come into clubs and they want to play that possession dominant style which is absolutely fine Matt Robbins at Coventry has got it absolutely spot on where I think he will of Coventry will try to create counter-attacking situations for themselves I think Borough suit counter-attacking football maybe not as a as a whole I'm not saying for Borough to abandon their their principles, their style of play, but just to switch it up a little bit. You mentioned the players that suit that. I think you excluded Lewis O'Brien as well. Lewis O'Brien is a fantastic ball player. Like He carries the ball really well and he's very box-to-box, very energetic. I almost think playing a possession-dominant style actually, I wouldn't say hinders him, not that, I just think that he would probably suit counter-attacking a lot more. And as you said, Silvera, bit of pace. Jones, bit of pace. Latilath, bit of pace. We, listen, we're not blessed with it in the team, but they're the three players that I think would probably have it. I'm just wondering, can we start to maybe adopt a little bit more of a quick transition? Because we were so good at that last season. And I know that we do not have the same personnel, but we were top for counter-attacking goals. Uh, or goals from the counter-attacking situations. I 
I still think that we do have that within us to to be a successful side when counter-attacking. So, yeah, maybe we do need to give up possession a little bit. Maybe we do need to surrender in certain situations, give the opposition the ball, even at home, and see what we can do with that. Because, yeah, the the possession-based style that we're playing at the moment is not working. We can't break teams down. Sometimes we do create chances, but then we spurn them, and then there's a problem, at least in the last two games, two home games, sorry, with actually creating them. So everyone's searching for answers. Carrick is overcomplicating things at the moment in terms of personnel. Can we try to adopt a more counter-attacking, quick transition style? Mm. That's that's the question that we, that I sort of took from the Leicester game a little bit in isolation, but also thinking about how mm. I see us in counter-attacking situations. Yeah, and look, when we play out from the back, like we do try and create like a... It's not a proper transition, really, but it's like you, you when you do play out from the back, you do kind of create it's kind of like a weird counter attack, isn't it? When you do play out from the back, because you know, a lot of teams press forward, you break the lines, and then they're all running back, and that was what you, what you tend to see the same as, as, a, as a counter attack in itself. And you know, like somehow I was saying about surrendering the ball a little bit when teams have the ball and they're trying to play that more possession based style, they do leave a lot of space like in certain areas and you know that might suit us because we are comfortable out playing out from like in tight areas we are comfortable doing it so I don't mind giving us up a little bit of a little bit of um possession just so we can start to you know be a bit more impactful going forward but we do need good wing backs for that um if we are to move to maybe a three or maybe to move to something a bit different and Tom like would you would you like to see maybe like Dice Steel and Engel come in for for Aylin and Thomas, because uh, they've both been, I would say, been the suspect. Yeah, but I would like to see it for different reasons than what you've just outlined yeah. there. For me, we're not playing the same as what worked last season. I think we've we've tried a few different kind of variations of it throughout the season. Early on, I remember us playing Jones and Silvera as inverted wingers. And, you know, I think even though... It is similar formation-wise. There are still aspects of it that just don't, I don't say don't work, but we could be doing better at. And the wing-backs or full-backs come into this. I think something that worked really well for us last season was that left-hand side. And obviously, we don't have Ryan Giles anymore. However, we do have Lucas Engel, who's you know been signed... At his previous club was an attacking fullback. He he's got a decent delivery on on him, but either by instruction or there's something in in his head that's not allowing him to do it. We don't see him get past the halfway line much, and mm-hmm. I'd love to see a comparison of like heat maps between him and Giles, season on season, because I feel like Giles would be so far up the pitch compared to where Engel is. I think we just need to take the reins off a little bit on that left-hand side. Like I said earlier, I think it's really simple to sort up, uh, sort out the attacking options. You put McGree on the left-hand side, but by doing that, he'll come inside, create uh, space on the left. Engel can get up and down and, and get crosses in. At that point, you need a striker in the box who's going to be in the right position. Force, I mean, in terms of his attacking runs and positioning, can do that. Like they laugh, can do that. I was noting in the last couple of games that Finazaz was arriving in the box at the right time to to get on the end of stuff as well. So on that side, it's uh, it's something I'd like to see more. 
on the right hand side, I'd like to see Dyke still come in for for Aylin because, as you yep. mentioned earlier, Aylin, I think, especially around the hour mark of seventy minutes, he just loses all of, all of his legs, and he can't get back. But <laughs> it it does seem like he's. I think, especially a couple of games ago, he was our like go to option for getting um getting deliveries in the box on the right hand side. And I'm just like, why have we resorted to essentially wilder ball when it wasn't working and just trying these low crosses from the right hand side, which are getting cut out? And obviously, it's knackering Luke Allen out quite early as well. I'd rather see Dyke still there, but in the same way as last season, we had Tommy Smith there who could get forward when needed, but also when we go forward on the left-hand side, could move in field and become a free. And I think Dyke still would do that better than Tommy Smith anyway because he has had that experience of of, of playing at centre-back. So I, th- I think as a solution on, on those sides, it's it's Dyke sale on the right and Engel on the left. And as I, I mentioned earlier, Dieng back in goal, but for the reason of distribution, I think another thing with with Lovren, I don't want to sound like I'm kind of bashing him too much here, but I don't think he has the confidence uh, to be kind of like spraying balls out to the wings like Dieng would uh, on on a very frequent basis. So you do that, you get the ball out to the left, you, you make your chances down that side. We've got ability down the right hand side to make chances as well and I think those changes would probably work quite well uh, in kind of going back to the system that last season was working for us and like I say we, we have changed that up a couple of times this season and we're not really playing the same way even if it is the same formation. Then mm. what do you think? Well I agree with that I would say though Rav right back because I think he has the the intelligence to play right back. He might not be as dazzling at right back as he is in, at centre half, but similar to the point that Tom made, having a more conservative right back and actually a, a left back that gets quite high up the pitch and maintains that width for Borough, I think would be really important in possession shift to a back three, which you know, Carrick said that we did yesterday but for me it shouldn't be the left back it should be the right back that's the more conservative because we do have Lucas Engel there who you know we did our research on and was a big chance creator last season in the Danish league and I think we really really need to embrace that and Carrick is as I mentioned he just keeps overcomplicating things I really want to see that back three in the build out with the left back being the one that bombs forward because as well, you do have Riley McGree on that left-hand side. When he comes in central, it gives that space for the left back. It's so frustrating because I know that we don't have Ryan Giles anymore, but still that doesn't mean that we should abandon what actually proved to be a really fruitful avenue for us last season. So that's what I would like to see. Rav right back, get Engle forward, take the shackles off that boy and let him fly and just, oh, can we just have some width on that left-hand side? I'm so sick of seeing him barely cross the halfway line. We need to start utilising him more in the attacking areas of the pitch for me. Just a point on that as well, in in terms of like the the signings we've made in the summer on the left-hand side. It looks like it was a very similar profile, or or we were at least trying to recreate what we had with Giles last season in terms of the attacking output. You got Engel, who can who has a good delivery from that side, and you got Banguru, who was very very pacey, could get up that left hand side, and and was a good dribbler of the ball as well. 
and it just seems like we've not utilized Engel properly. It did seem like when Bangura came on, he was allowed to 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 get forwards um, quite often. I do wonder if that's where his hamstring injuries have have come from because <laughs> he was running that quick up and down the line. But yeah, it, it just seems like we we've recruited for what we were doing last season and then not stuck to what we were doing last season. Yeah, and for, for me, guys, I would just say one one more thing: let Chef Engel cook. That's all. I'm <laughs> just let just, just let him cook. Um, but Tom, final question on this before we move into podcast questions: um, what's the what's probably would you just say is the the one thing you would like to see from Borough when they go <clears throat> play Stoke next week? Well, I'd say a win, but it's not even against Stoke that I want to see the the reaction. I want to go to the Riverside next time we go to home game and see us win it and, and see us actually play the way we can do. Because I don't, I don't sound disrespectful to Stoke, but I half expect us to go there and win because it's away. And that's not where our our issues have been. Our issues are the, the home form uh, right at this moment. But I, in terms of a response from, from Carrick, I want to see him kind of sort the team out completely and start putting... As as the guy in BBC Days mentioned, round pegs and round holes. I want to see us go, you know, bring Diang back into the team, bring Engel back into the team, and just have a front four that makes sense and not watch Mar- Riley McGree trying to play number nine because he's not a number nine. Just put them all in the right positions and just be normal with your selection. Don't <laughs> s- stop stop using a randomizer to pick your front four. <laughs> It, oh, I'd be interested. Imagine if you did that. Like some at Rockcliffe, he's just like, okay, put everyone there in a hat, and he just goes, oh, says you're playing the number nine. Everyone goes, hey, and then like, uh... <laughs> it would answer a lot of questions. To be fair, it would. It really would. Um, but you know, that's what happens when you don't have a striker. But let, let's move on to podcast questions now. Ah, yes, podcast questions. Every week you get the chance to ask us a podcast question via Twitter, borough underscore breakdown, email the borough breakdown hotmail.com, or by joining our Telegram chat with over 417 borough fans chatting everything but borough. Well, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, but the first question, Tom, will come to you on this one. Um, it's from David, it's on email as well, and say, there was such a good feel factor at the club at the end of last season. And at the moment, it feels like it's getting a bit toxic at home, which you mentioned earlier, Tom, with, with some poor results and the early bird ticket fiasco. Uh, how, how was the feeling seemingly switched so quickly? Tom, what do you think? I, f- I feel like it's just because of how we've planned the season and having it being kind of more of a transition season between... Well, we hope it's a transition season between that playoff run last season and hopefully building a team to to go for it again. We we have had signings this season who've just taken time to to gel and 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 really kind of find their place within the team and 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 grow within the championship. Really, because of that, I, f- I feel like it has led to to poor results. I think the the results at home, like we mentioned, it is explainable in in the fact that in the, especially in the last couple of months we're really missing some of I don't want to say missing some of our key players because we have had them back from injury but it, it's the likes of Dieng not being in the team and uh you know we're obviously missing McGree for for quite a while as well I just feel like there's there's no 
real, I don't want to say fluidity because we unfortunately have too much of that up front. But <laughs> it, it's really not the same team or the same play style as last season. I think that is frustrating for fans where we thought we were onto something good last season in terms of the play style and, 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 you know, where we got to in the league. And then it's it's just been completely different this season in terms of probably our aims as, as a club, but also just testing the, these things and, and not playing in the same sort of systems being quite annoying. So, yeah, I, I, I think at, at, front, uh, at home, that, that really uh, sums it up. And obviously, the more we get poor, poor performances, the more that toxicity is going to grow. And then obviously the the early bird ticket thing probably hasn't helped as well. I, f- I think especially with the, the last uh, couple of results, fans will be looking at that, looking at the price increase, looking at well, the deadline's obviously been moved back now, but probably thinking is this worth five hundred and thirty quid, or or is it better to to just not get a season ticket next year and pick and choose games because if you're paying five hundred and thirty quid, you generally expect. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say expect success, but considering you're one of the highest season ticket prices in the league, you probably want some football to back that up. And we just haven't seen it this season, so it's kind of like if I'm paying five hundred and thirty quid, and then I'm going to be watching this again for another season, is that money well spent, or you know, should I be spending that elsewhere? Um, I'm saying five hundred thirty quid. By the way, that's for my season ticket. But we did have a, a, a comment last week when I was kind of saying my uh, my thoughts on on the season ticket rise and justifying the price to myself. Saying oh, it's not just that for a family and stuff. Totally get that, and it, it's probably more expensive in other areas of the ground. That is purely for for mine that I'm talking about out there. But yeah, you, you, you're probably looking at that and and, and thinking. Is this something I want to be spending my money on for for the rest of the the season? And the result, recent results at home and the recent performances really won't be helping in that respect either. Yeah, you can come watch the game with me, Tom, in Albania, um, if you want. So we'll uh, we'll go and do that next season. Then <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the next question, and it's from Liv, uh, and and she says, "Would Rogers and Crooks have made a difference to our current form and predicament?" I don't think so, mostly because Rogers performed better in the cup than he did in the championship. Not saying he didn't perform in the championship, I think, as we mentioned on the podcast where he left, he was kind of getting into his stride, wasn't he? Crooks is obviously a, a very effective player and he's, he's he comes up with a lot of good moments, but I do think that Borough's current predicament is bigger than just two departing players. I think there needs to be significant changes in the summer and I don't mean that by saying in terms of the number of signings I mean the type of signings that we bring in most notably a number nine that can stretch a game that can drop deep is a little bit of has a little bit of everything so I think that yeah just to answer that question in full I think that Weber find themselves right now and the struggles of this of, of you know present it's kind of bigger than two players for me Okay then. Uh, well, that was podcast questions uh, for this week. But let's move on and um, let's move to one of my favourite segments of this show. And I call it "Who Wants to Be a Trivianaire," um, where every week I give Dana and Tom uh, a question to get some answers 
And, you know, who's going to be right? Who knows? There is no money involved. But there are a question. It'd be good to see if you can name them as well. If you're driving, you're walking your dog, you're feeding the cat, whatever you're doing, try and find these five players. Because the question this week is, Borough and Stork have transferred, have done five deals between them, uh, for five defenders in recent history. Can you name the five defenders uh, that have been transferred in that time? So, for 30 seconds... Any questions, guys, before I press the start? No, no questions. Excellent. Uh, so your timer starts now. Yes, time is up. So, guys, the five defenders that have been transferred between the clubs in recent history, um, who have you got? Tom, would you like to go first on this one? Um, yeah, I'll, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do only have three, though. Um, I've gone with Hoof, Pogatets, and Danny Bart. Oh, okay. Okay, then. Um, Dana, who, who are you going to go for? I have no recollection of Pogatets playing for Stoke. So if that happened, then that missed me. I've gone Hooth, Tommy Smith, Jonathan Woodgate. Okay, you've got three there, uh, Dana. You, you do have three um, out of the five. And Tom, I'm just going to oh. have a quick look at the Danny Bart one, just, just for clarification. I'm going to say it's incorrect, uh, the Danny Bart question, because... Uh, Middlesbrough got him on loan from Wolves and then he went back to Wolves and then went to Stoke the following season. So I can't give you that one, unfortunately, but it was a great answer. In terms of Manuel Pogatetti, didn't play for Stoke either. However, the answer is for this. I'm also welcome back to Manuel Pogatetti, by the way, to England, you know, assistant manager mm. at Crystal Palace now. But the answer to this question, Denny, you did get through them with Tommy Smith, uh, Jonathan Woodgate, and Robert Hooth. But the two other players are Chris Riggett in 2007 and 2008. And the last one is Andrew Davies in 2010 oh. to 2011. So the five people are Tommy Smith, Jonathan Woodgate, Andrew Davies, Robert Hooth, and Chris Riggett. I thought I would pick defenders this week since we both can't defend. Um, so <laughs> let's move on uh, to Top the game <laughs> at the Bet365. Or the Britannia, it's sounds so much better when it's the Britannia instead of the Bet365. But they fell at the bottom three uh, at the weekend after a defeat against Cardiff with six defeats in seven. Um, so we asked uh, Ben Rowley, uh, and I really felt sorry for him at this point, uh, to give us a, a, a voice note and some insight uh, of what's been going on at the Bet365 this season. Hey up Borough Breakdown, my name's Ben and today I am a very sad, bitter, exasperated Stoke City fan and Johnny has very kindly asked me to come on uh, your podcast to talk about the game coming up next weekend, Stoke versus Borough at the Bet365 Stadium. So here we go, from a Stoke City point of view, uh, the headline going into this game is we are in the relegation zone, which is the first time that's happened since 2020. And after seven seasons, pretty much, we're in the seventh season of our banter era. We may have finally done it. We may have peaked. Uh, 
negatively as a club. It's absolute chaos currently at Stoke City. If you don't know what's been going on in the last 12 months or so, thanks to, in part, having a decent march, which included beating you guys um, down at your place, um, we were able to stay up last season and therefore we went on a big shopping spree. Um, we signed 24 players this season. We've replaced basically every footballing member of staff that I can think of. Uh, I can't think of anyone at all that survived. Um, that includes Alex Neal, who we started the season with, and Ricky Martin, the technical director, who have both left. And ever since, Stephen Schumacher's come in, and I wouldn't be surprised after our loss against Cardiff on Saturday uh, that he may be a casualty before we get to play you guys. So giving you a preview of the actual game is going to be very difficult because I don't even know if our manager is going to be in place. And if he isn't, or even if he is, because he makes so many changes game to game, I have no idea who's going to play. I have no idea what our style is going to be like. Is Schumacher going to be in charge? Is he going to keep his philosophy? Is he going to give up on the whole thing and just go back to the wall? Are we going to bring in Tony Pulis finally after not having him for a manager for 12 years or so? We're due to have him back. Are, are we going to go for Gareth Ainsworth as it's been ruined um, and, and confirm our death spiral? I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> this has uh, been some sort of entertainment because I genuinely have no other analysis to give you other than Stokar can can have good passages of play in games. You know, they've got a good, they've got a couple of good players like Wouter Berger, Bajan Ho, but critically we are unforgivably poor in both boxes. We give away the softest of goals and we cannot finish to save our life. And our confidence is at an all time low. I don't know how we get out of this mess. You guys are gonna have to do us a big favour if you want to keep us around next season for whatever reason and get us a win because I really don't see where our next points are going to come from at this rate. It's really poor. I know that your guys' season has tailed off a little bit as well, which is disappointing for you guys, I'm sure. I know that at the start of the season, you guys were touted for big things, um, perhaps haven't recruited quite in the way that you'd hoped for after losing a couple of players in the summer. But seriously, guys, if you think it's poor, you want to be a Stoke City fan. It's. I know that some clubs are going under... I know that some clubs are at risk of extinction from the Football League or, or collapse altogether. But in terms of an owner who is not too dissimilar to yours, you know, a, 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 a fan of the club and, you know, a wealthy owner who wants their clubs to do really well, this severe mismanagement is culminating in an absolutely embarrassing set of affairs. So, you guys better win on Saturday because otherwise... <laughs> Well, I mean, if we win, it, it it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be preventing the inevitable for another week, I think. That wasn't very articulate or insightful, I apologise, but hopefully you got some entertainment from whatever this has been for the last five minutes or so. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Cheers, guys! <laughs> oh, Ben. Ben, Ben, Ben. Um... <laughs> I feel for that boy. I really do. Um, I mean, I messaged him and I was like, I may fancy uh, just giving us some insight. And I felt like there was a, do I really have to? Um, but I do appreciate <laughs> him so much because every time I speak to him, I, I, I feel it's a little bit more 
bad because he's he absolutely loves Stoke, but he's at a point where he's just so done with it. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, if you're gonna hire a singer as your director of football and Ricky Martin, then you know what I mean. <laughs> That's all you can do, you know. Awful. Um awful. Uh so we'll we'll chat about Stoke then, guys, because we go there. We probably are just in desperate of the need of a win as they are, to be honest, uh, to keep our, you know, no season going, but also make sure we don't go down. Um, but the, how do you see it going? So, Tom, what is your prediction uh, going into the to the game against Stoke? I've, I think based on everything Ben just said there, probably 2-0 Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same. wouldn't it? So, yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm going with. Um, it, it would I think it's the most likely results. Like, doesn't sound like they've won in years. So, yeah, they're probably going to win against us. Uh, Dan, what are you going to go for? How are you feeling? Well, I was looking at our record at the Britannia while Spen was talking there. And since it opened in 1997, Borough have played there eight times and won just twice. Once in 1998 and the other time in 2020, which was Neil Warnock's first game in charge, I believe. So... I'm going to go for a draw. I don't think we're going to end that bad run. 1-1 one, one for me is my prediction. 1-1. One, one. Um, I, I don't have a clue. I generally don't have a clue. I'm going to do it. Um, the game against, uh, I'm going to just say Plymouth because of when we drew 3 all. I thought Schumacher was really unfortunate not to, to win the game, although we, we created plenty of chances. So much to score three and find a way to beat us. This is a different team, of course, entirely. Um, Stoke are being mismanaged, having a bit of a stinker a season. So, like Tom said, it all lines up for us to get absolutely done three zip, and we just go home and we end up beating Norwich on on the Wednesday about five nil. So it'd just be very boring to do it, wouldn't it? But yeah, I think my actual prediction, I would probably say we've got enough, and I think if we do make the adjustments that we've been talking about, which who knows? I think we could go on to win the game. I think away from home, we seem to be a lot better. And fingers crossed we can do it. So I'm going to go 2-1, Bora. But guys, thank you very much uh, for joining me, as always. To listen to the viewers, I'll say thank you as well, because we hit 250 episodes uh, last week. We didn't even realise until right at the uh, until we started uh, editing the podcast that we hit 250. So I'll say a big thank you for everyone who's listened to us, shared the podcast, engaged with it. And keep doing that as well, because, you know, here's to the next 250 um, if we haven't been killed by Borough um, or just been Whoa. sick of them because, <laughs> you know, I'm just doing my editing. And I'm so glad I'm leaving this pod for a few weeks and coming back all refreshed. Uh, but for right now, guys, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. And I, you know, I just want to say one thing before I leave. I really love trees. Um, anyway, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was our Borough Match Day chat in a pod of the Borough Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.